Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shur Madaf Yomi. My name is Yitzchak at Shalom. We're now in Masachet Shabbat Daf Mem Vav Amud Bet. This will be our final podcast of the third parak, Perak Hira. Continuing with our discussion of Rabbi Shimon's approach to Muktzah, Rami Le Abaye Le Rabba. The next two paragraphs are going to be challenges that Abaye brought to each of his Rabbeim uh, of the uh, rulings of Rabbi Shimon. Tanya, so he's challenges his rabba as follows. We have a bright that says, Motar Asur Rabbi Shimon Matir. The excess oil that's in the nair and in the bowl is Asur Rabbi Shimon says, Mutar, Amal Rabbi Shimon the Mokza. So we see something we've seen over and over. Rabbi Shimon does not accept Mokza or Amino. Here's the challenge. Rabbi Shimon Omer. Now this is a, uh, a, a Mishnah about, uh, slaughtering a Bechor. Let's say you're a Kohen and you received a Bechor, and uh, the Bechor turns out to be a Balmum that you discover on Yom Tov. Uh, it's considered to be not Min HaMuchan, uh, and therefore you can't slaughter it. Just remember that a Bechor that's a Tamim has to be brought to the Beit HaMikdash. If it's a Balmum, it can be shechted. But to declare it a Balmum, Balmum Kavu, you need a Chacham. That is a critical piece of this. If the mum is not recognized before Yom Tov, it's not prepared for Yom Tov, you can't use it. So you see that Rabbi Shimon does have Muktzah. So let's examine them. Hatam, in the case of the Nair, person sits there and looks, when is this candle going to go out? He knows the candle is going to go out. It's going to go out sometime this evening, and then there will be oil there. Does here, does a person look at an animal and say, when's it going to get a mum? So he'll say to himself, who says it's going to have a mum at all? It's going to have a mum? And even if it gets a mum, who said it'll be a mum? Maybe it'll be a wart or something else that'll go away, and it's not matter the bechor. And even if you say it has a mum, who says that a Chacham will agree to come and take a look at it and declare it to be so? It's a lot of ifs. So therefore, a person doesn't really think about using this animal on Yom Tov. Meiti Ram Rachama, so here's a challenge. The Mishnah at the end of Masachat Shabbat says, We're allowed to do a Farat Nidarim, I mean Shalim Nidarim, Shein Letzorach HaShabbat. Or you could go to a Chacham for Sheilah. Mephirim is the husband. And Yishalim goes to go to the Chacham to matter the nedarim, like if a woman took a neder not to drink wine, to have a kiddush or something else that's for the need of Shabbat, you could be mefer. Vemai. So let's stick with hafarah. Why do we? Why is that the case? Why don't we say that the woman when she took the neder didn't think the husband would attend to it? The answer is What's our approach? Any woman who takes a netter does so intending that her husband will cooperate or will be involved in somehow. And therefore she is thinking about that. So Toshma, the second half is Nishalim Darim Shotzorach HaShabbat B'Shabbat. You can go to Chacham for Atarat Nidarim. Why don't we say that she had in mind when she took the netter, who says a Chacham is going to be, going to be willing to, to see me on Shabbat Mimatir? The answer is hatam in omzak lechacham. Saying that Mr. Shai Yotod, unlike hatarat b'chorot, if a chacham doesn't agree to see her, she can get three regular guys to matir nedarim. Hacham here was talking lechacham, but with the b'chor, without a chacham, you lost. So, so there's a lot of ifs. Who says it's going to get a mum? And who says the mum is going to be mukavu? And who says that there's a chacham who will agree to come and see it and declare it so? 
Here's the second one. Rami le Abaye le Rav Yosef. No Abaye challenged Rav Yosef. Did Rav Shimon really say that if the nair goes out, you could carry it, which is what we saw earlier in that first bright uh, after the Mishnah. Kavta inlo kavtalo only if it went out, but not if not if it's still lit. Ma'itama, what's his reason? His reason must be not because of Muktza, but rather he's afraid that while you're carrying it, it may go out. But we know Rabbi Shimon's approach is the Rabbi Shimon is okay. The Tanya, very famous, you can drag a bench across the lawn, across the dirt, as long as you don't intend to make a ditch. The answer is, so we fix it. And this is quite a chiddish. Anywhere that if you ha- did have intent, you would end up violating a da'araita, um, like extinguishing a candle. Therefore, even if you don't have intent, Rabbi Shimon says, there is a gzera, you should avoid doing it. So therefore, you can't carry a candle while lit. But in a case where even if you didn't have intent, even if you did have intent, you'd only violated the Rabbanan, and evidently they're understanding that uh, a a dragged uh, ditch that's made with a bench is not really chofer, it's a Rabbanan. So, therefore, Rishimon says, if you don't have intent, you could do it. So, Metiv Rava, Rava challenges that whole approach by by quoting the famous Mishnah in Kilaim about Shatnas. People who sell clothing can sell it in the regular way, by wearing it on them. As long as they don't intend to get benefit, like during the summer, from the openness, or during the winter, from the warmth. But the pious people hold the clothes on a stick over their heads. So don't get on Here, if you did have intent to be an Isudorite of Shatnas, we know that's a Bishimon in that Mishnah, we've demonstrated several times, as recently as the second parak, And so, there Rabbi Shimon Lechatchila says, you could do it, even though if you were to do it with intent, it would be violating a Doraita. So that equation didn't work. He says, we've got a whole different story here. Certainly Rabbi Shimon does not accept Muktzah, and Rabbi Shimon is not concerned about uh, Devar Shem and Kavain, but here we have a different problem, which is while the candle is lit, we all agree that the flame is off limits. And since the flame is off limits, everything that's around it, including the oil and the wick and the handle holder itself, the nair, is a all basis, the davar hasur, and therefore it's asur. The minute it goes out, you don't have that problem, and it you can carry it. I'm Rabbi Asi. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. So I'm Rabbi Hanina. I'm Rabbi Romanos. Now, you've got to remember who's talking here. Rabbi Zeir is quoting Rabbi Asi, who quoted Rabbi Yochanan. Who quoted Rabbi Hanin, who quoted a particular Rabbi Romanos, about a story about Rebbe. Li tir Rebbe letatel machata be'afara. Be'afara. Meaning, Rebbe allowed me, Rabbi Romanos, to carry a fire pan with its, with its ashes in it. Now, that's Rabbi Asi was telling Rabbi Zeir the story. So Rabbi then turned to Ravasi and said, Since when did your Rebbe, Rabbi Yochanan, say that? So that meaning he's, rec- he's reporting it, means it must be mutar. Fatnan, we have a Mishnah in the 22nd paragraph. If your little kid is holding a rock, you could pick your kid up. Even though he's holding a rock, a rock is muktzah. A basket that has a rock in it. 
The basket's the bigger problem. The kid's no problem. You can pick up your kid up. He said, the basket must be full of fruit. And therefore, you could pick the basket up, even though it's got a rock in it. Meaning, we're talking about what we call a basis, the davar hamutar asur. You've got a base, in this case a basket, that's got something asur, the rock, but also something mutar, the fruit. You could pick it up. But without the fruit, you can't do it. So if there is no perot in there, you can't carry it, which would mean that if you have a fire pan and all it has in it is ash, it should be muktza. So how could Rabbi Yochan report that Rebbe allowed such a thing? We have the pasuk in Daniel that Rabbi Asi was caught sort of speechless. He was a little shocked because of the question. And then, Viamar, and then, and then he said, He said, okay, good. So it must be that this fire pad also had little bits of levona in it that were edible or usable, and therefore just like the basket with fruit. So Baye heard this story from Eretz Yisrael, and he said, why would they give that answer? After all, why would Rebbe's, in Rebbe's house, why would little pieces of levona be important at all. If you think poor people would care about it, that wouldn't help because something which is a beged for poor people is only nechshav a beged for poor people. Among rich people, it's not in the Kabbalatuma and uh, it doesn't have chashivut, etc. And big day But poor man's clothes to a rich man are not considered clothes. They're shmatas. And therefore they don't, there are all sorts of implications of tuma. So that doesn't work. And I was explaining that, that in this fire pan there were some other things. You know why you're allowed to take it out? You're allowed to take it out not, not because it's okay to move it around, but it's okay to get out of the house just like a chamber pot that's full of feces. So that doesn't work. Why? is disgusting. A fire pan is not disgusting, it's just dirty. If you're a grafshari, also, a grafshari is open and exposed. You want to get it out. This is covered up because the ash is inside. He gave the, this answer. We used to carry, uh, in Rav Nachman's house, we used to carry ash, uh, even though it had little bits of broken wood, which themselves are muktzah. Why? Because the ash itself could be used to cover things up. It's not muktzah. Meitavei, watch this challenge. We we find that Rabbi Shimon agrees with Rabbi Yehuda that if you have broken pieces of wick in the candle, that you're not allowed to carry it. So Rabbi said that was taught in the Galil, where Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda lived, in the, because in the Galil there was lots and lots of oil. They had lots of olive trees, lots of oil, and as a result of that, oil was cheap. And therefore, the broken pieces of wick, which were expensive, were not bought to the oil. In a place where oil was not so plentiful, the oil was important. And if you had some broken wick, so it was bought to the oil, but not the case here. Okay, Levi Barshwan. Now we're going to hear another story that has nothing to do with our problem, really, of muktz and certainly not of ner, but uh, really rather is related to another story of hearing a chacham come to a chacham, another chacham's house and uh, and discussing an issue of Hilchot Shabbat. Levi so they were standing in front of Ravuna's house. Amalui asked, Maulach Zimitashal Tarsim Shabbat. Mitashal Tarsim seems to be a folding bed of some sort. Can you fold it back out on Shabbat? Amulah Shapidami, they said, sure you can. Out to the Kamir Ravyura, then he came to Pumbadita Ravyura. Amar, 
He asked the same question. Rabbi Yudah answered, Rav Ushmua, both of my teachers said, Not only are you not allowed to do it, you're chayav for doing it from Akeb and Patish. Watch this challenge. To both of them, really. If you put the stems of Menorah back in on Shabbat, chayav chatat. But Knei Sayadin, or probably Tsayadin, the Geonim's Girsa is Tsayadin, like of a bow for for uh, hunters, then lo yachzir, you're not allowed to put it back, from yachzir, patur, of alasur, because it's a less intricate action. Therefore, it's not a full malacha, it's patur, but you shouldn't do it. Rabbi Simayo Mer, kind of a parallel, Karen agula chayav, if you have a horn, a musical instrument, which is round, kind of like a euphonium or something, and you have to put it together, then you're chayav, because it's the intricate job. Karen pchutah, if you have a simple cornet, patur. So, but nobody says mutar. So, the answer is they held like Rabbi Shemagamli, held the Tanya. If you have pieces of a bed, the legs of a bed, this seems to be some sort of a, a piece of a bow. These are all things that plug in to put them together. If you do put them back, you're patur. In any of these cases, you can't plug it in tightly. Then you're achayav. He says, if it's loose, it's mutar lechatchila. And they were holding on with this bed. Evidently, it was a bed that unfolded, and you had to put pieces in to have it stand up. They had a kind of a bed called the Mita Glalnita. Be'erovchama, of course, is Rava's house. Uh, and they would put it back on Yontif to set it up. So one of the students said to Rav, You think it's okay because it's like in sideways, irregular kind of building? Okay, it's not the right of it, it's the Rabbanan doing something in an unusual way. So he invoked that previous bright that we just saw. Gamliel says, if you put something in and you put it in lightly and loosely, it's mutar. Okay, the end of the sixth Mishnah. And it's broken into three parts. You are allowed to put a kli underneath a candle in order to get the ash, the sparks, and prevent the sparks from hitting your carpet or whatever and starting a fire. You can't put water into that kli. We'll see when. Because then it extinguishes as soon as the sparks hit. Okay, so the first question is, We already saw this. How can you put a kli under the nair? After all, you're taking a clee that was movable. You could take it anywhere, and now it's stuck here because it's muktzah. You can't move anything out once the first spark hits. The answer is that's not so. Sparks don't exist. They're not, they have no substance. Therefore, the clee is not muktzah. Okay. So, it sounds like this supports Rabiosi's position. We're going to see it in the 16th parak. We call gram kibui, meaning setting something up that's going to cause kibui. Like putting a jug of water right in front of a fire so that the minute that the fire hits it, it breaks it open and the water puts it out. That's asur. Chacham disagree. So is our Mishnah supporting Rabiosi by saying you can't put water into this kli? So Vatispra, think about it. Rabiosi only said you can't do it on Shabbat. Shabbat Miyamar. He didn't say you can't do it on Friday. You think our Mishnah is talking about on Shabbat? Vatanya of a brighter that expands our Mishnah. You could put the Kli under the Nair on Shabbat and certainly on Friday. 
But you can't put the clay underneath it with water, even on Friday, because it's going to put out the the sparks. Certainly on Shabbat you can't. So this can't be a Rabbi Yossi Rabbanon issue, which is only on Shabbat. This is even Erev Shabbat. What's the reason? Even Rabbanon, he would agree, you can't put it out. Here, you're hastening the, the extinguishing. Gram kibui means you set something up that if a third force comes in, it'll, it'll, it'll then lead to kibui, but you're not doing it yourself. There's a machlok Here, without any third force coming in, you put the water there, it's gonna hasten the kibui. It might be by a half a second, but this spark is gonna go out immediately when it hits the water as opposed to when it hits the, the bottom and maybe stays sparkled for a minute or two. And therefore, because of that, everybody would agree that it's Asur, even to put it out Erev Shabbat. Okay, Adronel Akira, we've successfully completed our study of the third parak of Shabbat. We'll begin the very brief fourth parak, uh, Bamet Homnin, in the next podcast. In the meantime, we should have a wonderful day.